0: Hi, welcome to Broadway Assembly Church Podcast. We are excited for you to be joining us today. If you want to get a notification of the most recent uploads, please, subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Praise God, praise God. Let's stand together. Well, I uh, got a call from Brother James Martin and uh, we had to change the revival dates so uh, you're going to need to mark that down um, due to a physical condition there with uh, sister heights well not now sister height but sister trisha martin's uh, brother uh, physical need she uh, has to accompany him to a much anticipated Uh, doctor's appointment so we're going to need to change uh, spring revival to the 13th through the 16th and uh, so I know that was originally what we were talking about but uh, we're uh, we want them to come and he said if you want to get somebody I said no we want you guys so uh, we want them to come but uh, they're going to have to switch back to the 13th through the 16th so uh, take your bulletin and make it make a little amendment there if you got one. Praise the Lord. I'm looking forward to revival. Praise the Lord. I guess I'm the only one. Praise God. Let's sing a chorus. What do you say before we go to the word of the Lord? Praise the Lord. You remember that one through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. It's an old Andre Crouch. Let's sing that together. Praise the Lord. Through it all. Through it all. Oh, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all. Oh all. I've learned to depend. This book right here. Oh, through it all. Sing it, Broadway. Oh, through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust. All oh, through it all. All oh, through it all. Oh, I've learned to depend upon his word. Let's go to his word tonight. First Peter is where we're going to uh, be uh, taking a text and looking forward to what God can. Amen. Just uh, enable me to share with you tonight from this passage. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. We're going to read 9 through 12 uh, this evening. Praise the Lord. you have a good day? Good Lord's Day? Praise God. Somebody say God's not finished with the service yet. I trust we come with anticipation to his his word with an open mind, open heart. 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Somebody say strange people. That we or that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which, are, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation, that means lifestyle, honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. I want to just uh, speak for a few minutes on the status of strangers. He says, Dearly beloved, there in verse 11, I beseech you as strangers. You ever met somebody that was strange? Huh? (laughs) Strange. Turn to your neighbor and say, You're strange. Go ahead. Don't resist it. Embrace it. Father, here tonight, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the songs that's been sung. Lord, I just anticipate your grace here tonight as we just look into this passage. Open it to our eyes and our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, may all God's people say, Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. The status of strangers. The status of strangers. Now, before we get into this topic, uh, just uh, looking into the book of 1 Peter, you know, 1 Peter is, is rather a short book. It's only about 105 verses, I believe. We can easily write, read it in about 30 minutes. Um, written by a man named Simon, renamed by Christ Peter, which means what? Rock. All right. In my opinion, he writes with Confidence, like a man named Rock, should write. I mean, uh, his words are blunt, uh, honest, straight to the point. And uh, we don't know for certain, but it's believed that he wrote this text around A.D. 64. And uh, that's a historic year in history because that's the year that the emperor Nero, burned Rome blamed it on the Christians and that set off a wave of persecution that spread across the entire Roman empire. War was declared on the believers and Christians, those that were Christ followers and they were tortured. They were uh, sewn in animal skins and attacked by wild dogs and thrown in prison and, and oftentimes turned into human torches. And Peter sees this approaching storm of persecution, and he, he writes to say that things are going to get worse before they get better. But his tone is more positive than negative, thank, thank the Lord. So First Peter is really a letter that could be postmarked for even today. Yeah. Because in many ways, he could have written the same letter to us in 2022. And the key word here that I really want us to kind of key in on is this word strangers. Everybody say strangers. Strangers. It's sometimes translated aliens, Mm -hmm. sojourners, foreigners. Have you ever felt like a fish out of water? (laughs) Have you? Have you ever felt uncomfortable, out of place, like you just, just didn't belong? Perhaps you went somewhere and maybe you, maybe you wore some casual clothes, and you show up and everybody else is in more formal attire, and you just feel rather noticeable and out of out of your element. And, or maybe you, maybe you go to a birthday party and you're the only one that forgets to bring a gift, right? From time to time, we all feel conspicuous. That's a big word. Out of place, maybe like we don't belong, but church, according to scripture, God's people should always feel somewhat out of place in this world. Do you hear me? We ought to feel like strangers. We ought to feel like pilgrims and aliens. Somebody said like ducks out of water. Out of a proper environment. The psalmist said it in Psalm 119, verse 19. He said, I'm a stranger in the earth. Hebrews 11, the heroes of faith. Verse 13 says they admitted that they were aliens and strangers and pilgrims. And here Peter, Peter means that the followers of Christ are strangers residing on this earth because... Our real citizenship is in a heavenly country, far beyond the starry sky, right? And and you get a feel of what he's talking about when you, if you've ever visited a foreign country. You see people you don't look, they don't look like you, you don't look like them, uh, they don't talk like you. Uh, they don't think like you in a sense, they don't live like you. They have a set of, of uh, cultural values uh, that you don't share. They speak a language you can't understand and they eat food that seems a little strange to you. You pick up the newspaper, you can't read it, uh, you turn on the radio, it doesn't make any sense. You know, you're, you're standing on a sidewalk with people all around you, but you can't communicate with anyone. As I, I felt this most keenly back in 1998 when I visited the Orient to minister there for the first time. It, it, you know, I was thinking back, it took about 14 hours to go from LA to uh, Asia by, by airplane, but it felt like light years away in terms of culture. Know what I'm talking about? Uh, it, it felt like I had stepped into a new planet. I, I, I felt what it was like to be the minority, and and I stood out so obviously, no one mistook me for an Asian. <laughs> <laughs> and in such a situation, no matter how friendly and gracious the people are, and they were very gracious, but I never forgot that I was an outsider. I'm talking about, and that's the feel that Peter is referring to here, but yet that's only part of it because he's writing to people who are getting this feel, but yet living in their own hometowns. The believers in Cappadocia had been raised there. They spoke the same language, they wore the same cultural clothes, they ate the same food, and they shared the same culture. But now these hometown folks had embraced the gospel and everything changed in their relation to culture. Peter says, you're a stranger, aren't you, in your own hometown?" How many know the same thing still happens today whenever the gospel penetrates a heart? When the gospel penetrates a nation, a city, a town, a village, an office, a classroom, a business, a factory, a neighborhood, or a family, nothing is the same as it used to be everything has changed because you're not the person you used to be now you are a stranger it seems to the people that may have known you for a lifetime and how many know i've found out that's hard for some believers to face but peter is saying don't worry about that there's been a fundamental change in your life Hmm? Anybody in here testify to a change? Peter says, Don't worry about it, because you've transferred your allegiance from the culture surrounding you to the Christ who's living in you. You didn't relocate physically, but you did relocate spiritually. Because salvation has made you a stranger. In this world. Now that Christ has become our head. We don't look and live like we used to. Amen. One day in church a, a man saw a little red headed boy in Sunday school class. And boy, that little kid's hair was fire engine red. And that man asked that little guy said, hey, where did you get that red hair? that little boy replied, and he said, I don't know, mister. It just came with my head. See, Peter informs us that our strangeness just comes with our head, which is Christ. Amen. Amen. Christ lived, and how many know he was strange to his culture? Hmm? So Peter's text was written in the first century, but, but it speaks to the 21st century. So what does this mean in practical terms? Well, if, if you are a businessman and you've decided as a man of God, you're not going to cheat. You're not going to lie. You've decided to live, deliver what you promised. How many know you're going to be considered a stranger in this world? If you're a husband and you've decided to be faithful to your wife because you are a man of integrity, you're going to be seen as a strange guy. Hello, young folks, if you're a spirit filled teenager and you've decided to live for Christ in the halls of the high school, you attend, you might get treated like the resident alien. Uh Hmm. But Peter said, that's okay. So I say, that's okay. If you're a worker on a job, maybe it's big or small, full-time or part-time, blue or white collar, and you have decided to do your work as unto the Lord, not pleasing man, but to please the Lord. If you've decided that money will not be the determining factor in your life, then you're going to be considered strange in this culture. If you are depressed and discouraged and you've said, no, I will not turn to drugs. I will not turn to alcohol to handle my problems. How many know you're going to be swimming against the tide in this culture and you're going to be considered weird? Hmm? If you're working in the office where profanity is the accepted norm and you've decided not to join in, God bless you. You are a stranger. Hello. Hello. If you come to a place where in order to get ahead, you have to compromise some of your biblical values and you decide not to do listen, get ready for trouble and let me welcome you to the fraternal order of Christian strangers because that's the club you've joined. See, it's not a question of isolation from our world. It's a question of being in the world, but not of the world, and that's our condition as spirit-led believers. See, the idea that believers are strangers in this world is a frequent one in Scripture, and and, and I do especially feel strange when I read some of the ungodly things that are happening in our own good old U.S. of A. Terrorism, mass shootings, young women held as slaves, children beaten to death by parents or caretakers, babies killed in the womb by the millions Hello, these are the kinds of things that make true followers of Christ realize that this world is not our home. Hello, I feel like a stranger in this world. When I heard this week about the after-school Satan Club that has opened up in the elementary school just south in London, Ohio, or Lebanon, Ohio, excuse me, it was just approved. Listen, I feel like a stranger in this world. I feel like a stranger in this world when I hear about the state of Illinois and when they passed the Senate Bill 818 back in May last year requires public schools to teach all the students the benefits, get this, the benefits of abortion, the benefits of LGBT relationships. The benefits of topics too graphic for me to mention behind this pulpit. Listen, you better believe it, Broadway. I'm feeling more like a stranger around here all the time. Hello, I feel like a stranger in this world when I read that some ladies have conceived a child for the sole purpose of having an abortion so that they can sell that fetus to a laboratory which will use the tissue for medical research. Listen, oh yeah, I don't know about you, but I embrace the label of stranger around here. Hmm? I feel like a stranger when I read of the child abuse and the wife beatings and the rapes and robberies and drive-by shootings and the drug deals and the car thefts and the other violent crimes in our society. Like I read today, 458 men in blue are police officers that were cl- killed just this last year. The highest number it's been in decades. Listen, I feel like a stranger when I hear and read the news reports that make Christians sound like a bunch of weird, ignorant kooks who just don't know any better than to believe the biblical gospel. I feel like a stranger when politicians decry the fact uh, that Christians cling to God and guns. Uh, Listen, friends, uh, that's when I remember my permanent address uh, is not over in Illyria where I call home. Uh, My real home is not on this ball of dirt. Uh, It's on the other side. What's that old song? This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Hello, Broadway. Huh? My treasures aren't laid up here in a 401k. That's fine. God bless you if you got them. I believe you should plan for retirement, but I got some treasures. Hmm? On the other side. We're rust and moth, thieves. Can't touch it, Brother Timmy. Can't touch it. It's a good deal. It's a good deal because we said the other night, this earth makes a very flimsy bank account. Praise God. Somebody raise your hand and say, Lord, this world is not my home. I'm going to embrace the status of a stranger. Praise God. Praise God. Now look here, folks. I want to take you through a story from the Old Testament, Daniel. Daniel chapter 1. The year was about 605 B.C., That side of the world was in chaos. God has allowed a pagan, brutal, foreign country to conquer his prized possession, Israel. He allowed this as a consequence for their prolonged idol worship and disobedience. The inhabitants of Jerusalem must have felt completely abandoned by God as they watched the Babylonian army walk right into their temple, take the articles that they used to worship God, Jehovah, and desecrate them before their very own eyes. The ultimate blow came as those enemy officers rounded up the best and the brightest of the young Jews and marched them some 1,500 miles out of Jerusalem and into Babylon. Four of those deportees were teenagers. They were to be trained in Babylonian arts and literature and culture. Their names were changed because all four of them originally had names that glorified God. But now in Babylon, the goal was total indoctrination so that they would forget that they were Hebrews, and soon they would, they thought, walk, talk, and act like a Babylonian. Yeah. But how many know there was just one little problem? The Babylonians underestimated these four teenagers. Hmm? Living in a foreign land, over 1,000 miles away from family or anything familiar, These four teenagers stood out. Somebody say stranger. They stood out. They stood together. And they stood up for God. And in the end, they give us a great example of how we need to embrace the status of being a stranger in this strange land. Are you ready? We're going to look at those points. They stood up. They, st- excuse me, stood out, stood together, and stood up. We're going to look at those three points. Number one, they stood out. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were living in the king's palace. They had the opportunity to enjoy all the royal enticements. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were given Babylonian names. You remember them probably most by their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In particular, boy, Babylon's food was wonderful. These guys were basically offered expensive bottle of wine, Steak or shrimp dinner every night. Some Hebrews were probably like, yes. They probably lined up to eat the Babylonian buffet. But to Daniel, it was a matter of loyalty to God. Hmm? So we're told that In verse 8, he says, Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. Now, this was a decision that he had made beforehand. The food they were being offered was not kosher, had most likely been offered to idols, And there was no way he was going to defile himself before God. So he presented a negotiation. He approached the head official. He politely explained their their situation, saying, because of their religious convictions, they would not be able to eat the royal food. While the official felt for Daniel and his friends, he was not willing to put his neck on the line and change their diet. So Daniel suggests just give us some vegetables. Brother Cooper says, Amen. Amen. Give us veggies for 10 days and then see how we do. Examine us and then treat your servants accordingly. Wow. That's the original veggie tale. See, you look and read this passage, God blesses them. He prospers them physically and socially while the rest of the good old Jewish boys were eating Babylon's burgers, oysters on a half shell. Our four Hebrew heroes were munching on broccoli and cauliflower and grains. Hmm? By day 10, the rest of the group looked like they needed a personal trainer, but Daniel, Hananiah, Missiel, and Azariah proved, guys, they proved mama right. Veggies make you healthy. Hmm? But see, not only did they prosper physically, God bless them with wisdom. Ten times greater. Somebody say ten times greater, ten times greater. Than any other wise men in Babylon. That's pretty substantial. Application point. Young people, we live in a culture. I look at America as very similar to Babylon. It's getting more like Babylon every week. Hmm? and god makes it clear in scripture that every young person how I many know oh, every young person in here you've been made on purpose for a purpose and our culture is attempting to change your identity this culture right now contends that that our youth is nothing more than a product of random chance and the final equation in some cosmic freak accident and that there's no meaning or purpose to life other than just eat, drink, be merry, and then die. Listen, they tell us that there's no right or wrong and and that truth is relative and defined individually. And many young people, they hear that and they're not bothered at all by these modern notions and so they begin to partake of them. And listen, Thank God, though, there's some strangers among us. I said there's some strangers among us. Praise God. We got any strangers in here? But I don't want to be that. I don't like that strange feeling. I'm thankful that God still has a remnant of strangers hmm? who have surrendered their lives to Christ, whether it's in their preteen or teen or post-teen years. Because of this, they stand out as strangers in our culture. Because of that, young people, you stand out in the school, in the workplace. Young folks, don't. I want to tell you tonight don't fight that feeling embrace it you feel odd going into some place embrace it because you that's not where you belong huh you stand out because you have come out from among them and you have purpose to be separate as Paul instructed the young believers in the church at Corinth we stand out because we have embraced 1 Peter 2.9 that says we are a chosen generation. We are a peculiar people. We stand out because we have embraced Paul's advice to the young believers at Rome when he said, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen, this is a calling on today's generation to embrace the status of strangers in this world. You say, well, pastor, why, why should we embrace it rather than resist it try to fit in. It's because God intends to do, I believe God intends to do some amazing things in our church, in this generation. Young people, God wants you guys to be on the front line of that awesome work. But those who have become entangled, those who have become broken and, and distracted and mired by our world, they will not be in the place where God can use them when the time comes for him to be using them. Let's continue and trust the lord and say hey i embrace the status of strangers but it's not worth it any other way now look at this they stood uh, they stood out number 2 they stood together now have you ever had a dream that you couldn't quite remember but you knew it was bad well, that's what happens in chapter 2 of Daniel because Nebuchadnezzar the king has a, a, a troubling dream and he summons all the magicians and enchanters and, and sorcerers and, and astrologers into the palace. I mean, this is a regular psychotic hotline convention, okay? Psychic convention. I mean, what takes place next is, is a sad comment on the real powers of these supposed wise men. I mean, the king not only wants the interpretation of the dream, but the contents of the dream itself. And they ultimately agree that the job is too difficult. Hmm? They're stumped. Nebuchadnezzar throws himself a temper tantrum when they couldn't uh, do what he asked, and he signs an execution order. All the wise men in the entire province of Babylon is to be hung. Well, Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, he's put in charge of carrying out that executive order. It was reckless. It was ridiculous. And he heads out of the palace to make it happen. He is met by Daniel, one of the guys, basically, who's on the hit list. And Daniel calmly asks, Arioch, would you give us some more time? The scripture says that Daniel spoke to Arioch with wisdom and with tact. He went a step further and actually asked to approach the king and brought that same request to the king. Can you just give us a little more time? Daniel knew God was in charge and would give them the ability to know that king's dream. And he urgently requested prayer. He went and got with the other three, uh, his Hebrew comrades, and he was, it was literally a matter of life and death, right? And the four of them had an, They called an all-night prayer meeting. Hmm? They begin to plead to God for mercy and to reveal the mystery of the dream to Daniel. And God answered their prayer. Daniel received a vision that night concerning the king's dream. And then he wakes up and pours out praise to God. And he grabs, I I think he kind of grabbed maybe a a guitar-stringed instrument and began to sing of God's gratefulness and wisdom. That morning, Hananiah, Missiel, and Azariah, they probably collapsed exhausted but joyful onto their beds to take a nap while Daniel hurries off to the palace to interpret the dream for the king and save all their lives. Uh, Listen, application point. Our young people live in a culture, it's marked by and its individualistic spirit. But the strangers among us know that we are designed, church, we are designed to operate best in community and unity. Amen. And and when we stand together, it is an awesome and holy sight. When we get on our knees together, when we ask God for miracles together, I believe a holy atmosphere is created, which becomes the breeding ground for miracles. Listen, I'm believing God. When we come together, you better watch out. God's presence can come down when the unity of God's people begin to show Listen, it's not that we are in, uh, we're not in competition against each other. We're in cooperation, and we're saying we're going to get through this thing together. Now, these folks stood up after this. Look at this. Not only did they stand out, stand together, but chapter 3, the book of Daniel, they stand up. Hmm. I want you to look at this story. I'm continuing through the book of Daniel. In chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar's ego has run amok. Okay? He has erected a 90-foot gold-plated statue on the plain of Dura of himself, and he's invited all the dignitaries of Babylon to the opening ceremony. Interestingly, Daniel, must he was not present. He must have been out of town on official business. Nebuchadnezzar here made the crowd an offer they could not refuse. They were They had a choice between bowing to this statue or being thrown into the blazing, fiery furnace uh, this was an easy choice for most uh, estimates i, I, I begin to read a lot of commentators estimate that probably around 2 million people assembled in the plains of dura gathered to worship the image that day and when the music played 1,999,997 of them hit their faces in the dirt to worship the image But in that massive crowd that day, there were three. I said there were three strangers. Hello. They were rebels. Listen, while everybody else bowed, they stayed standing. Listen, while the other Jewish exiles were on their faces, probably thinking of excuses why their actions was not blatant idolatry, we have Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah standing tall. Soon they were spotted and brought to the king, and he explained the whole thing over to them again. He thought they just were hard-hearing Hebrews, so he gave him a second chance. Their response to the king is one of the most bold declarations of trust in the entire Bible read it in Daniel 16 through 18 of chapter 3 but you see as little children these teenagers were taught the Ten Commandments and it said thou shalt have no other gods before me and now to them that choice was clear there was no way after all that God had done for them that they would give their worship to anyone or anything else other than God Jehovah and so they would not bow and they would not bend and when given a second chance they did not fall victim to doubt their faith did not waver they felt no need to defend themselves in this matter the king could threaten all that he wanted to they were resolute in their stand hallelujah they depended on god's omnipotence he could save them but they trusted his sovereignty he may choose not to save them but whether god God saved them from the fire or not. To them, that was irrelevant. See, they were not your normal run-of-the-mill young people. They were strange. They had a different priority system, and they feared God more than anyone else, more than anything else. And this combination made these three boys fireproof. I said they were fireproof. Young people, we live in a culture that worships rock. Stars and athletes and actors and actresses. We are asked to bow down to the latest fad out of Hollywood and the latest trend. And if we don't, we're considered strange. But guess what? I, as a member of the strange person club myself, I don't care about being hip. I don't care about following the latest trend. As long as I stand for God at the right moment, that is all that really matters. Raise your hands and praise him. Praise God. Somebody raise your hands and praise him. Glory to God. Woo. Have you ever heard that saying, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything? You know, how many, how many are sitting on the fence in our generation? Huh? Huh? Woo. We got folks that ride the fence between angel on Sunday, devil on Friday night. Hello. It's time you climb that fence and embrace God called identity that says I'm a stranger in this generation. Hello. All right, I'm gonna gonna try to wrap this up. But you look at the rest of the story. Okay, so far, our Jewish teenagers have stood out, stood together, and stood up. Hananiah, Missiel, Nazariah, their defiance, Scripture says, caused the king's attitude to change. In fact, he throws another fit of rage, and he orders the furnace heated, how many times hotter? Seven times hotter, and has these three teenagers bound and thrown into the fire. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody ought to say, help us, Lord, because the king thought, listen, there's no young whippersnappers going to defy me in front of two million people and live to tell about it. Hmm. you remember the story? Scripture says that furnace was so hot, the guards who had thrown them in the fire were immediately incinerated just because they got close to it. Oh, praise God. But I like what I read. It says, when the king looked into the furnace he saw something that scripture says made him leap to his feet in amazement. Read it for yourself. Verse 24 through 27. Hananiah, Missiel and Azariah are just having a little fellowship meeting in the furnace. Huh? Bible says they were just walking around. They were bound when they went in. Obviously the, the ropes were burned immediately, and they're just all alive. And you look at that, and the first word that came to the mind of Nebuchadnezzar impossible. Something's not working. Unbelievable. <laughs> shakes his head and looks again. He saw four men in the fire. And he says, the fourth one looks like the son of God. Even the king in all his glory recognized a miracle when he saw it. Huh? All the people gathered around the furnace must have been asking the same question. Who is the fourth guy? Who is the fourth guy in the fire? The entire sermon could be preached right there on that verse, but I've already went too long. Listen, these three had stood out, stood together, and stood up for God, and now God stands with them in the very fire of their greatest trial. In one of the most intense miracles of all scripture, Christ stands with them in the midst of the fire. Listen, application point. If you stand for Christ, he will stand for you. No matter what you're going through, I said, no matter what you're going through, today, today, listen, you struggle. We have young folks that struggle in this generation with severe family problems, that, including things like abuse. and so, Listen, young people today are so stressed out, they're considering suicide as an option. Today, we have youth and their friends who are not only experimenting with drugs, they are addicted to Drugs. Today, youth are going through the pain of relationship breakdowns and and, uh, whatever school difficulties there is. Listen, underneath their smiles, I've seen a lot of pain. Hmm? However, it is my incredible privilege to share the good news that is simply this. Christ will stand with them. Whatever they're going through, if they choose to stand for him. He will never, somebody say, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Listen, in a generation of dysfunction, that promise uh, is good news. Uh, I said, that's good news. Uh, When is the last time you took a stand uh, for Christ? uh, Has your passion for Christ uh, caused you to stand out? uh, Or do you blend in with the culture? Uh, Are you riding the fence? Uh, Listen, God designed the church and the community of faith uh, to stand together and stand out and stand up. And I'm going to be one of those that stand for him. And when I'm in the fire of my furnace the next time, I'm going to be looking for the fourth man. Yes. Praise God. Somebody raise your hands and praise him. Thank you, Lord. Ooh, hallelujah. Sister Jones, you can come. I'm going to close. Hallelujah. I'll oh, give God a hand clap of praise. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I want us to stand together perhaps this evening. Perhaps someone in here, you feel like you're in the fire. Maybe you're going through a tough situation. And here tonight you've come, you've put a smile on your face. But God knows your heart's breaking. Listen. Life is too short to live it, trying to fit in. Hmm? Life is too short to be filled with regret and to pass by those redeeming opportunities that Christ has offered you. Oh, I feel like telling somebody, Don't waste your life tonight. You can do something right now that will matter 50 years from now. Hello? Embrace the power of the Holy Spirit. Embrace His help and say, God, I'm tired of trying to fit in with the crowd I wanna hear the call. Not a call from the culture. No, it is a call from the heavenlies. Come and make some commitments tonight. Commitments to stand up and stand out and stand together with God's people. You'll be glad you did. Sister Jones, what are you playing? I'll stand for Jesus. And let the world go by Hallelujah, hallelujah I want somebody to slip out of your seat And say, Pastor, I want to I want to be among the number Of strangers I'm going to embrace the status of a stranger In my generation Young folks, listen, this is for you Listen, you say, I'm so tired of not feeling like I fit in at school Embrace that, celebrate that Because you don't need to fit in Hello, listen to me. You don't need to fit in. You need to stand out. Hallelujah. I said stand out and stand up and let God stand with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, touch our young folks today, Lord. Touch our great young folks here tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come Holy Spirit strengthen these commitments around the altar tonight Jehovah and I, I'll stand for Jesus and I let believe the you world Jesus I believe you Jesus I'll stand for Jesus I'll... and let Thank the you Jesus world go